It's always soccer in Philadelphia, especially now that the Philadelphia Union season is done and with a 6-1 to victory over Orlando City, who I think was phoning it in, and or match-fixing in that game. There's uh, no more soccer. Ooh, you're Philadelphia. Yeah, that is. <laughs> in Philadelphia. We you're have to change the name of our podcast. You're There's Phil- no more soccer There's in no more soccer in Philadelphia. Your Philadelphia Union actually finished with a better uh, end of record this year than they did last year. So they improved with a plus three. Should we introduce Matt? I mean, what, what are you doing over here? Kevin Kincaid alongside uh, <laughs> Mr. Matt DeGeorge is here. Yes. I'm here. Oh, and uh, Dave it. is here as well. So we got uh, the whole band together. Baxter has left. An, an epic pod. Yeah, Baxter was licking uh, Dave's microphone, but now he is uh, out of here. So, yeah, I, I know, you know, the last couple podcasts I've been in uh, NBA, um, you know, territory. Mark Fultz, shoulder hell. For it's the like last three months of writing, right there. Yeah, you know, I think we have four different availabilities in one day, so it's just a lot to handle. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to carve some time out to do a proper uh, send off to your 2017 Philadelphia <laughs> Union. So uh, I, will toss it, it I will toss it up. I, to, I would say uh, a, I would say a proper send off to the 2017 Union season would, would be, be no podcast. <laughs> 35 minutes of just fart noises. <laughs> That would be the proper set. Well, I think we, truthfully, I think we properly sent it off back in May or June, didn't yeah. we? Because I think inevitably we were just kind of, we knew we were going to end up at this point. But uh, go figure, six, start to, and, yeah. six to one, six to one to wrap it up. So yeah, like to, leave it to, to this team to like, just like dominate their last game when like no one was paying attention. <laughs> it was decision day and just no one had their eyes on I mean, on to the be, and they to dominated. be fair, I don't think Orlando City was paying attention <laughs> That's either. true too. <laughs> I mean, Kaká had already said that he wasn't coming to that game. Kyle Laren seems to be on his way out the door. Some of those other guys, just obviously they've had all the the off-the-field issues with Will Johnson and that whole deal. So there are plenty Mm. of issues that Orlando City have. Um, But but the Union did play well. I mean... Three guys uh, scoring two goals. You don't see that every day with this team. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uh, you know it's a day. It was a weird kind of day in the stadium <laughs> because there was this kind of suspension of reality of like, hmm. well, let's enjoy this. Oh wait, no, they're terrible and their season's over. So what did it's you get? Difficult. So what uh, impression did you guys get from from being down there in the in the crowd? And how do you think they? It was a pretty. They, good they took it. It was a good crowd. I mean. It, it was the last game of the season. It, it was pretty close to full, right? I th- yeah, I, mean, I think so. I mean, it was yeah. an announced sellout. I don't think yeah. that the, you know, the stadium yeah. wasn't yeah. full. I think it was just more reinforcing the contradictions of this season in that, you know, to have that moment. It was just a, a very union moment yeah. to be, yeah. you know, there's good. nothing to play for. And you can completely lay an egg when they had a lot to play for in that Montreal game in August yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and get the doors blown off of them. But then when there's nothing at stake except for pride, they can, you know, put out a full choice roster and, and go out there and dominate, which that's so union. It, it, it just people. It just kind of was. Say. I mean, you know, two goals in five minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, it, four goals in the first half, things that they've never done in <laughs> franchise history. Andre Blake. Just big saves on Dwyer, and it, and I it think, fits. It fits into the irony because how many, how many seasons in a row have we talked about their inability to make the playoffs being because they left points on the table at home? Yeah, you know, for years they've always had. You can think back to 2013 when they went in and remember that game they went in and won in Kansas City and they kept their playoff hopes alive. Mm-hmm. This has always been a club that has had this bizarre ability to just eke out results against all reason on the road 2011 in mm-hmm. LA stuff like that and the the knock against them hey, always, for that. the the <laughs> you know the knock against them has always been that they couldn't get it done at home consistently enough and then this year they win 10 home games 10 They're wins terrible at home on, club They're record terrible on the road yeah. it's just all like if you had to find the contradiction it, it's just perfect every year there's always that yeah, new version of the contradiction that informs the unions yeah just unbreakable mediocrity well i think we've spent enough time talking about this past <laughs> season so let's move on <laughs> but no you listen i mean it just um, kevin's so checked out all he wants to talk about is mark well, i think i told shoulders. you I, oh yeah, yeah right that's exactly there's what not i'm much, talking there's, there yeah. isn't that much to talk about well no and we said i said to dave the last one that he and i did when you were here physically not the one on the phone but i said i don't want to talk about another thing it's i want this team to be eliminated from yeah. playoff contention as soon as possible so that the charade is over um, and that we we just move on to what we all knew we were going to be talking about at this point anyway, you yeah. know, and that's who stays, who goes, and what they do for next season. But you know, before we do that, real quick, 
MVP from this past season, guy who exceeded your expectations. Um, yeah. Let's do some awards. I have a list of a few. Yeah, uh, what do you got? What do you MVP. Got? You want to start? Uh, yeah, MVP. I guess there's the obvious one, the guy who scored 16 goals. Yeah, is, I'm going to have to go with CJ. You have to go with CJ, too, probably. CJ, I think a yeah. lot of people can discount some of what he does. Um but 16 goals, that's a pretty impressive CJ number. gets the nod. Number. Yeah, he gets the yeah. nod for and me because I... All three of us. I don't think that... Consensus. Well, the thing with CJ, too, is that I don't think that most national people remember. I don't even think that most Union fans remember that CJ wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year. You know, mm-hmm. Jay Simpson actually, on his first goal, injured himself. Um, then you had a good CJ, year, Jay Simpson. What's that? Which should have been probably the... <laughs> Baxter. Baxter, you want to comment? <laughs> Which he probably should have been yeah. the, the foreshadowing of what was going to happen the whole rest of this year is that, yeah. you know, Jay Simpson scores a goal and gets a punctured lung he for it. That lung, probably was, in retrospect, not a great symbol. The most Philly thing ever, too. Isn't that such a Philly tough injury? He's a Philly know? tough guy. He is. I'll, I'll give him that for a fourth. Uh, um, he's no Danny Cruz. Fourth division striker. But you know what? I think the thing with CJ is that, yeah, look, he... he he was not again they tried to replace him right so everybody who was when we were having these arguments earlier in the year where Kincaid doesn't like Sapong has it out for him or the George feels a certain way or CJ's good enough he's not good enough I mean it, it was always people I got to forget that the people forget that the coaching staff basically said he's not good enough yeah they tried to replace him by putting Jay Simpson out there on the field signing him for five hundred thousand dollars and making him the day one starter so that tells me everything that I needed to know now credit to CJ maybe that was what got him over the hump was that extra motivation to say, oh, you don't think I'm the guy? Well, I'm going to show yeah. you that I'm the guy. You know, I don't think he got any more amazing service this year than he did in any year prior. I mean, he got some nice crosses whipped in from Fafa there at the end, but it wasn't like Pico was an assist machine this yeah, and year. He, I mean, he played he played two seasons with Christian Maidana. I don't think anyone yeah. has provided, you know, Harris Madunjanin for his passing ability is still not always the guy that splits the lines directly to the forward. Yeah. So, Well, in Harris, I think in, when Dave and I did the preseason pod, too, I think I assists. predicted that Madunian would leave the team assist based on those secondaries, you know, because I don't... And you were right. Good his, job. His, his position there, we didn't think that, you know, if, if that wasn't yeah. the case. I wonder who had the most assists for primaries this year. I don't I, even have the numbers I, in front of me. I think it was it. still him, wasn't would it? Would it still be him? It yeah. probably yeah. Corner it kicks probably and stuff was. like that, maybe? Put him uh, under... F- I, don't, I don't know. Um yeah, and Harris, I would say maybe number two. Andre Blake, of course, had another good year, but top, for a lot of newcomer other, Harris for that award, top on newcomer. Yeah, newcomer of the year for sure. Harris um, over uh, Giuliano, or yeah, well, yeah, just just slightly. <laughs> All right, so let's do let's just let's just do stay and go, right? Um, I mean, <laughs> no more awards. There's biggest, a lot of, that surprise. There's really no disappointment. There's no other that's awards enough, to that's hand out. That's not the award, just the MVP. I was giving out participation trophies. Well, I mean, I you know that's fine. I had a couple hints from a source the other day that I'd put some stuff out there. Yeah, actually, let's just go down the list, you know, and then I'll get to that. Um, Marisa do. I think they should give him another year. <laughs> <laughs> I almost finished that sentence. <laughs> uh, I, I think, think he's already all, gone. We all think that he's yeah. probably just going to try to maybe go to like LAFC I mean, or if they'll sign him, I mean, to not have played two years, I mean, that's going to be hard. Mo, like, Mo's, he's going to get a low salary wherever he goes. I think Mo's been in this situation before with Stoke where he had a lot of injuries and just needed a just needed a change of scenery. I, I think that's probably better for everyone at this point. Um, you look at the way Aguchi and Yewu this year took a pretty low salary after not playing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's getting close to because he hasn't played in two years, so he's kind of yeah. close to in that boat. He's going um, yeah, to get a low salary. Roland Alberg. Um, I've been told he's already gone. <laughs> report that he's gone. I've been told that he's pretty much gone. Um, Although I wrote he, about him and he said he wants to stay. Yeah, I thought I found that interesting. You know, I, I, I think he was just doing that as like some kind of leverage, maybe. But I, th- I think it's 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 been obvious for quite some time. Is he's not a he doesn't really fit well on this team. I mean, in his defense, I don't know that he wants to come out necessarily and say I don't want to I don't want to be here. Right. You know, I don't know that that's helpful. I think for the union, the most the best course of action with Allberg is to pick up his option and give them the flexibility to move him on in January and maybe get something out of him. He's not a player that has no value. He's still at his age and his goal-scoring ability can play in Europe, mm-hmm. and he still has some value more than just a, you know, mutually part ways and find, you know, have him go somewhere else. He was just such a terrible fit for this team, you know, not the right formation. Um, you know, the ta- tactics didn't really match up. I mean, but but then like Dave and I always said, you know, we don't know if he's an asshole. We don't know if he has 
bad body language. Uh, we don't know if he doesn't like his teammates. He seems like a but nice he guy, it, but he, he just looks like that he way. He gives field, you yeah. the opportunity to feel that way, you know, and that's why I kind of he feel... He got in two, like, verbal fights in the span of a couple games, right? Well, like we had Papa, a whole big thing earlier this year with CJ and the yeah, penalties, so yeah. Like, I mean, so, I mean, there, there, was, there was some proof there to go along with it, for sure. So I, I always forget about that. Um, Elsino, I think he comes back on a smaller contract, but if I don't he know. would, it could be a good move because he can play the wing and the ten. Well, remember so, he I was mean, a Baxter. Come on, man. It's okay. Um, as long as you're good with him jumping up on you guys, it's oh, fine. Yeah. Um, Elsino, yeah, I mean, look, he was a right winger to you know to start off, and then they moved him over to number ten where he was not that player. Yeah, I, I'm kind of. I, I wrote this yesterday, looking at what. Alberg and Ilsenio have done this year. And the one thing that gives me pause with Ilsenio, he's older than Alberg, he makes more money, and he's also not he doesn't he hasn't shown a track record with the union of impacting games as a sub. That's true. He seems like a guy who's much better from the start. I think he's only had mm-hmm. in, in two seasons two shots on target in substitute appearances. Well, that's a good over stat. About, over about 15 that's why appearances. We, but that's, that's the why irony. If they, if they would go, you know, if you would take Ilsenio and Alberg and say, well, keep one of them and get rid of the other one, Alberg would make a lot more sense because of that reason. Right, yeah. because yeah. he's able to come in as a sub and, and just, you know, blindly shoot. But yeah. and, and the flip side is, is that I think, as we're going to probably ask in a couple minutes, um, one of the other stay-or-go games that we're going to play with one of the wingers if that if you know if Chris Pontius goes, you're going to have to as the union bring in a Tam or DP quality winger. Winger, yeah. That's an area to upgrade. And then if that's the case, does Elsino get those starts against Pico, Epps, Herber on the one side? Yeah. Where where do those minutes really? Well, come let's from say okay. Him? So say say for instance, Elsino and uh, Chris Pontius are both gone. Chris goes and becomes a free agent. You know, uh, Marcus Epps, Fabian Herber's coming back. Eric Ayuk. You know, is he in play? I mean, Still where do you go? Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the deal? <laughs> or or you do, do you just say none of those guys? And I see. I think Fabian's injury really hurt in that department because Herbers I think they, is the guy. I think if yeah. he's healthy, I mean, he showed a lot, even yeah. like earlier in the season. And that would have made the decision. Hurt, would have made the decision a lot easier to move yeah. on from Chris Pontius and say you go Herbers and Pico going into next year with two pretty good wingers. You know. But we don't know. I, don't I mean, think like we know one this. other yeah. guy to sign. I'd still sign one more guy, but to have Herbers and Fafa, I think is two pretty good guys to kind of build around. But, but here's here's the problem. If you look at that front six and you look and say, where are we going to, where are they going to upgrade from last year or from this year to next year? You're not going to upgrade it either the six or the eight unless you're going to bring in a an out-and-out ball-winning six mm-hmm. and, move, and invert the triangle, in mm-hmm. which case you eliminate the need for a 10. Mm-hmm. So if you were to do that, then where do you upgrade? Because you're not gonna, you're still gonna have Sapong and Simpsons under contract next year. Yeah, so you're yeah. not gonna upgrade at the forward necessarily because you're only gonna play one anyway. Well, let's let's talk about that real quick because you, you know, and I was gonna get to Derek Derek Jones too, but so here's the thing: you know that you can't. They they tried playing Derek Jones, Harris Madunian, and, and uh, Alejandro Bedoya in that triangle in the four two three one, right? We know it doesn't work because Ali's not a ten. So mm-hmm. what they did was they moved him back put Jones to the bench. Now you're going in that same situation next year. So what happens to Derek Jones development? You know, if Madunian in, uh, assuming he stays and Bedoya, he'll be here. So I, I don't know that that's really the only way to do it. If you're insistent on those three being your guys there, the only way to do it is flip it, you know? Yeah. And I think if you flip that, I don't know if there's another way to orient that triangle because Jones is not a six. Yeah. He's kind of a tweener. I, I, I don't he? think he's he just is. got that Tony Chani, like kind of, Number eight, kind of hybrid, kind and of whatever. And Johnny works there, yeah. when you put him in a certain system. He's certainly working yeah. very well, um, yeah. very well in that midfield in Vancouver now. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, I just don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that Harris is the ten in front of Bedoya is the eight, and you know Bedoya is not a. Did six. we see enough? I, I did did so. you see? I wasn't really paying that much attention down the stretch to be honest. But I mean, did you guys when you were down there talking to Jim and we were watching those games? Did you get a sense that he saw? anything from the 4141 experiment that he would have any kind of answers on that or if they wanted to do more of that or whether he wouldn't even call it that he said he still said it was a 4231 even even when he does change it up he doesn't want to say that he changed it up so what the hell is that all about he's not going to change yeah he's not what what was the what did when you guys were down there you you heard those quotes i mean so what was the context and what was the body language and under which he was denying that he changed anything it was kind of as i recall it was a question and i don't recall who asked it but it was how much of a change is this and it was kind of a uh, a gym answer of, 
Well, it's not really that big of a change. It was kind of, you know, throwing cold water on the on the premise of the question. It's true. It's not much, but it is. It's not much, but it it is because the assignments are a little different. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're trying to do in terms of, you know, Harris's reads. Harris's reads when he's in the front of the triangle is different because it's not first pass automatically back to the center back it's yeah. you know starting to look forward and, and I also s- in when the attacking team is when the other team is coming at you the reason they did it in the first place was that they made the switch in the new york game because they were just getting eaten up in possession there and that changed the angles right. at which new york was trying to split the lines so i it's interesting that he i think the i don't know how much how long jim was thinking about maybe trying that but they did it as a defensive adjustment first mm-hmm. and not to try to Changed the way that they played offensively, which I think makes a lot of sense considering what we what we know about Jim. You know, I st- I still think they have a systemic problem about not having midfielders in whatever shape we're going to say that they're in. They just don't pick out passes through the lines a lot. Yeah, they You'll, don't. I, you know, if I if I think of the shape in, in my head, if I think of the shape of what happens when the Union get the ball around midfield it's usually two flat midfielders one of whom is on the ball and then it's four guys up front trying to pick out runs they don't pick a lot of balls through the through the through the lines and i don't and i don't know if that can be fixed by having a different facilitator in at the number 10 but the the problem is is that i i I look at this team and you know what how how do you improve this team this front six needs to be improved and if you take for granted that you have medunjanine bedoya and either Sapong or Simpson as your guaranteed starters next year, you start to run low on attack-minded positions that you can improve on. We can get a, yeah. um, two players, right? Like one's a guy on the wing and one guy at the 10. I mean, that's like two kind of marquee guys, right? Right, well, if I, you do, which I think makes sense. If you could use two of the... I mean, basically the way that I modeled every single thing that I wrote about next season was that if you can you know, your front, look at your front four and replace two of those guys with two DPs, you know, or even TAM level guys. I mean, that's assuming that you're locked in on Madunian and Bedoya playing six and eight. You know, because then really, what, where, where else are you going? You know, yeah. so if you're going to make drastic that's changes, that, that's where it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, who's next, Dave? You, you, Andre Blake. You spoke more to. <laughs> no, we'll get there. You spoke more to um, Charlie Davies than any of us. I mean, did I? I, I, I haven't talked so. to him in a while. But I mean, did you get the sense that when he came here, did he? Yeah. Did he still have the desire to, ex- to play? He was, he was excited. I mean, I sat down with him with um with um Ali Bedoya and he was cool with that. I mean, they're like such good friends, but you know, he's been through a lot and I think he might have tried to do more than his body was capable of, I guess. Yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of a bad situation for him too, with like two guys in front of him. So I it's, think it's a shame it didn't work out. Yeah, and I think the thing too is that I it's very this is very pronounced, but you don't see it that often. But Charlie was never that great in practice. You know, finishing yeah. his finishing was always rusty. He was hitting balls over the fence. Mm-hmm. Never looked sharp from anything that I saw there. I just don't think soccer should have been in his future after number one surviving cancer, number one surviving a car accident, Horrible number car two crash. surviving cancer, number three his your twins. your your twins are born prematurely. You know, at that point, I think it's there are things that go much further beyond you know yeah, trying to I, get on the field for the philadelphia I, Union, I wouldn't you know? i wouldn't underestimate how much those other things played into the decisions that he made yeah you know it's not a coincidence that he's in philadelphia and you know that's an urban center that has great pediatric care resources that, mm-hmm. that he's used um i think he's pretty settled in this area so i don't know what his next step is going to be whether that's continuing to play or or whatever i i, I do think that in all of this it has to be said, and I, I know I've been as critical probably, well, maybe not as anyone, but I've been critical on Twitter of Jay Simpson. But I do want to point out for the record that <laughs> the fact that only one striker plays is not entirely the fault of Charlie Davies or Jay Simpson. Jay Simpson, yeah. yeah. You know, that's yeah. partly a systemic thing that goes back to the way Curtin handles his strikers, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. To, to have multiple strikers be on and in form. It's yeah. certainly not an easy thing, and there's a lot of people around the world that are challenged by that. But I yeah, don't think yeah. Jim has necessarily done a service to his forward Well, depth. that's – okay, so that's – I was going to get to this later, but since we're on it now, you know, I think that if you did have money to go after a DP somewhere, you know, it makes me wonder if striker makes sense then because you already have $500,000 locked up in Jay Simpson for next year, $300,000 for CJ. 
Um, so, you know, if you go out and spend a million dollars on a DP striker, you're looking at $1.8 million yeah, on three guys who play one position. <laughs> right. So I, I don't, I just, I guess I just don't see them going anywhere unless, you I'll know, take a trade they, CJ they could get, they or, could, or what's his contracts. Uh, he's CJ signed a three year when he did the extension in 20. 16 was it 2016 that you I'm signed pretty it? sure he's still under contract yeah if you're I looking think at a player who I has, think it was probably winter 2015 if you're looking so at players who has like a trade rate. value I mean he has trade value right now he's coming off a, a 16 goal season but then that begs a question it's like that, that for then sure. if, if if 16 goal CJ you know career high CJ is he good enough like going forward you know or is that just the product of guess what if you're on the field all the time you're the only striker there eventually somebody's going to score a 16 striker. he's not an elite uh, guy like in this league there yeah. there are players who are better but you can make the playoffs with him i mean for sure yeah right i mean i'm i'm I, looking at adam i'm looking at adam john scoring a winning pk last <laughs> night this cj Sapong has a place in this league this is a very good a point doubt. how about that game can we talk about that yeah we'll get there let me go through the rest of this shit though <laughs> we, got first. A, we got a list oh. yeah, i had a list too that you ignored is this Listen, your first time on the podcast it is um warren Craval. do we know his contract status I do not. I would assume Warren Craval falls somewhere in the morass of endless options. Yeah, you can't bring Warren back if you have any I thoughts about Derek if Jones. You need, because yeah, you need Jones to play. Him. Yeah, and Warren, is, as much as I thought he was a really good fit in that ball, in the ball winning sense for that four one four one, Warren just doesn't pass the ball well enough to be a, a, a everyday starter in this league. Yeah, I, I think he has utility in MLS. He's a guy who can still play five to eight more years in MLS. I think he's has the ball winning sensibilities and I think if you were to put him in the right situation maybe where he's let loose in a 4-1-4-1 situation where he's that shield and he always has someone checking back to him Mm -hmm. to kind of minimize the passing kind of like the way that union teams of old have handled you know whether it's Michael LaHood or Brian Carroll is that holding midfielder to kind of minimize their passing duties. Oh, Brian Carroll. I I absolutely we already know stay or go (laughs) on Brian Carroll. Um I think he absolutely has value within MLS and is a player that should be playing somewhat regularly. Brian Carroll. Five to eight more years. I'll take the under on that. <laughs> okay. For, <laughs> I mean, he's only, I think he's only 26, 27. Brian Carroll, um, you know, I always think to back to 2013 because I, I don't I don't think anybody coming into that season, remember you had Bakary Samare, Jeff yeah. Park, um, Amobia Kugel. I think everybody kind of thought with John Hackworth running the show now that Samari and Park would be starting at center back that year and that Amobi would be playing as the number six and he was your number six of the future. That was not the case. They came out of the season opener with Park and Kugo playing and Carroll was a D mid and Carroll took a lot of shit. He was that a captain year. that year. Yeah, he was a captain yeah. and Carroll took a, a lot of year. shit because that midfield was bad. But part of the reason that midfield was bad because midfield they had Keon Daniel like bad. playing it with, with no creativity or anything. He was supposed to be the playmaker. They had Latou on the right and Danny Cruz playing on the left. So I, I don't, Brian's just an interesting case because I think his career was you know, forever changed by that personnel decision. But I don't. I thought he was really, really good with Vincent Nogueira. Understood the role he was asked to play there. You know, played some really, really good minutes for them in 2016 as well. But you always just felt with BC was that they the only reason he was out there is because they just failed to find his replacement and move on from him when they should have. You know, yeah. is that fair to to say? I mean, that was always the criticism of him. Yeah, he had, yeah. I think that maybe undersells. BC a little bit um I think and pr- by the way prior to all that he won a bunch of trophies and he did went to I, the playoffs every year I think Brian <laughs> he had Car- a great career and it was perpetually he really did it's a shame that and it, I can even like, write about him because like the MLS site didn't want a story I'm like this guy won two titles how did that make you feel support. I was not happy about went it went to the playoffs every single year nine straight years Un- until, he, until he met Nick Sakevich and yeah. Nick Sakevich was like yeah, <laughs> well, we'll 2011, fix that. yeah 2011 he helped the union but like no one no one talks about him like nationally, which I guess makes sense for his like opposition, and he's just kind of his like personality. But I mean, well, look he, when you when he you deserves more props. I, I think you like. you yeah you mentioned to me like him <laughs> him going to be a finance, financial planner <laughs> in like Indianapolis is the most Brian back Carroll to his kind natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. He's as, not even as from, I see it. He's not even from there. No, I know. So is his, his wife? wife from there? I guess his, his wife. His wife. Yeah. His wife, okay. whose whose sister is married to Chad Marshall. 
Oh, okay. correct. Is that yeah, right? we, we okay. figured that out. Yeah, we yeah, cornered Brian in the locker room. Matt's like, I need to know, Brian Carroll. I was just curious before you become a financial planner. Did BC? How like, are you related to Chad Marshall? When you did the, like the last like media with him, did he like he o- open up at all a little bit? Or yeah, was a little he, bit. Like, was he, he actually. Lighter? So after the <laughs> last funny. game, yeah, after the last game, everyone said it was kind of a a long wait for the press conference to start because they're signing jerseys. Back here, come on, hey, he's gonna run downstairs. Yeah. He just can't bear to hear us talk about Brian Carroll like that. He's so sad Brian Um, Carroll's leaving Baxter. But he, uh, (laughs) you know, we were waiting maybe 10, 15 minutes in the press conference room, and Brian Carroll comes in and is like, you guys waiting for something? Just as he comes into the room. So he does have that deadpan. And we're like, no. Humor sensibility. We're waiting for Elsinia. Yeah, we we looked at him. We're like, yeah, go get Jim. Um, Brian Brian was always dry, but um, he would always be willing to. He wouldn't give you much after a a loss. You always knew you could talk to him. And he's always And the the thing with him is that he's always been a guy that if you plugged him into the right situation, he was going to do an exemplary job for you. You had to make the role the correct role. And I think too often the union failed at that. If you had surrounded him by creative players that you spent money on, then yeah, he'd have been well, fine. Well, the other thing where they tried to do Noguera and Marisa Du and Brian Carroll all together in that 2014, that didn't really work either. I think a lot of the criticism that he got or a lot of the reason union fans didn't see much out of him is because... You know, just some of these like forced kind of roles for the people around him. Not necessarily him, but we always knew what Brian was, but he wasn't always... You know, in situations that made a ton of sense. All right. Anyway, um, the fullbacks, Fabinho. We think Fabi is gone, right? Because he did. He was. This was the last year of his contract. Yeah. Yeah. I. I but now I, I've been told. So I've been told that Giuliano doesn't want to come back. Yeah. Well, now, I don't know if that means he's not I, coming back, but his salary is cheap enough. And they've been searching for that position for so long. You just need a guy to like really lock down that spot. Like Fabi had a good career here. He was never great. He was always kind of like on the fringe of is he going to start? Is so he was not? there a reason so, when you guys were down there the last couple of weeks? Was there a reason that Fabi was? Starting over Gilliano because there's no injuries. Yeah, kind so, of all to ask about it. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, it was asked about a couple of weeks. I think a week or ago, and uh, Curtin gave a long answer, just saying that you know Gilliano's done okay, but hasn't owned the position. But he's got a shit attitude, and he doesn't want to be here. He Next doesn't. Question. He well, he doesn't. I don't think I talked to, to him once. I'm a I, terrible. Right he d- I think a couple times. How many times did you interview Gilliano this season? A couple. I mean, he doesn't Zero seem to me. be the most um, he's comfortable the most there. In. Yeah, he's yeah, not the most. I, I don't know. I don't. I, and I think that if if Alberg leaves, you know, he's you know no more he's Dutch. The Dutch guy there. Yeah. So I, I think that's don't part of his Dutch. support structure. Because right, we had seen times lesson. in the past where Alberg scored, and I clearly remember where he could give a shit about any of his other teammates coming to celebrate with him, and he just pointed <laughs> to Gilly. Remember that one ball that Gilly played over the top on that like put back, where yeah. it's the one that he foot volleyed in, yeah. over the top. Yeah, and the CJ Dutch even connection. went over there, and Roland was just like, "Ah, fuck off! I'm gonna go yeah. say hey to the other Dutch guy." You know. I mean, with Fabinho, there is an option. I, I was told that there is an option on his contract. I would have said that if Wijnaldum came in, you know, in June when Wijnaldum was starting, whatever it was, 12 out of 13 games and was looking like he was locking down the position, I would have said that Fabinho was gone. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, if Fabinho is your insurance policy at left back for $130,000 next year, a guy that's familiar with the league that's settled... Might not Happy be the worst. guy, like he's good to have around. He locker room, like he's a team. good. He, you know, he's a good personality. How about on the other side? Do we know what Ray's contract is? Ray, right now? Ray signed yeah, a signed multi-year extension the after, the after Shannon was in 2014. I believe. Sure, was that after Shannon was traded? I thought that. I thought it was. I thought it I was. Think it was slightly I think it was while Shannon that. was still here. Okay. So but it after, was the, she, after the Shannon trade, there wasn't anything new with Ray's contract. No, that no, but Jim out. did the. He did the signing, and he talked about Ray as like one of the best lockdown defenders in the league. That my my, under, that. my understanding is that it was a multi-year extension in 2014. So if that's the case, it's, he's, he's three years. Done, he's yeah. three years into that. So there's probably some kind of an option on that. But also the ability to walk away from it. So if you, I'd move so on say from you him. had the okay. So if you had I'd the option, I'd definitely move on for, from him. Go, yeah, I mean, I'm a Keegan guy. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> I'm a Keegan guy. What makes uh, you a Keegan? Well, uh, we, we can I talk to his parents. So I'm a Keegan. No, so what? I mean, if, so what if it, Keegan so, got? I mean, I mean are, we, are we just saying that it's a low, it was a lost year for Rosenberry and they're all going to circle back on him next year? I'd like to think that, but I mean, it seems obvious, I guess, that Jim doesn't like him or he likes him 
in some cases. But the optics, see, the optics I mean, with Keegan it, it, just... It didn't look good. They all they look bad because, first of all, Jim's in a lose-lose situation with the suspension because, yeah... People were mad about that. They were really furious. Well, here's the thing. I understand the difference. The difference between like Alejandro Bedoya making a joke about Eric Winaldo's wife on Twitter versus Ke- Keegan making a joke about. <laughs> I didn't his think that was time. a joke, but whatever. Well, right, it, brought, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. No, Keegan, that, was, that was dropping. Keegan's but the difference tweet, between I saw Keegan's tweet when it happened, and I didn't think twice about it. It seemed like really benign. Like he's I, actually done worse things on Twitter. Like I, he's liked. I, th- I think that was the that was more the straw that broke the camel's back than yeah, than necessarily. He's liked. The, he's liked tweet before that like question why he wasn't playing from fans but i was under the impression that he just liked every tweet with his name in it or i thought someone told me so i think I, the difference is just that they you know ollie's thing was external and didn't have to do anything with his teammates yeah. or anything whereas I, mean, I think they felt like this was internally he, disrespectful he's being like passive aggressive on twitter like it just doesn't seem like i would be passive aggressive too I, I would if, too, if i was like, mismanaged as have you as been I, on twitter lately <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what the medium is. is. And also, Jim always says that guys earn their spots back in practice. I mean, Ray Gaddis started for 20 straight games. Do you really think Ray was better than Keegan for 20 straight games in practice? Or they just kind of... They really buried him this year, and I'm not sure why. The thing is that I think the takeaway is that multiple parties are to blame for this. Keegan came out and played like shit this year, okay? And his benching was deserved. And, and played poorly towards the end of last year, but they didn't want to disrupt what was working until it stopped working. Right, right. And Jim, to his credit initially, benched him, put Ray back in there, but probably stuck with him too long, you know? And the, see, the thing with, with Jim and Keegan is that the optics of their relationship always looks is always going to look much different than everybody else because they knew each other through the youth setup and they drafted him number three overall because they knew him and people still thought that was a reach. And I'm not going to go back and say revisionist history and I was right and blah blah blah. But at the time, but I do I, have a tweet. But I do have a tweet saying they should have picked Brandon Vincent. Brandon Vincent, right? Because I'm, but, but I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I think that both of these guys are going to be long term starters in MLS, right? So that's probably a wash anyway. But if you were going to part of the the explanation and part of the reason you would you were able to sell that pick in the first place is because you knew the player so well. So now to see where you're a lot of his the value in that pick was predicated on the existing relationship between coach and player. Right. So now to see where that is right now, that looks worse than Jim's Jim, relationship yeah. with Allberg. Agreed. You know? And, right. and so. now there's a lot of I think I think you're absolutely right on the money. There's a lot of baggage there in terms of the way Rosenberry dealt with his success last year, the way mm. that he dealt with his failures this year. And I think part of Gaddis starting that many games was because Keegan maybe didn't respond the way that Curtin wanted him. Yeah, well, and Jim is thought to be uh, sorry, Jim is thought to be a player's coach. You know, Ernie came out and said at these town hall meetings, like, you guys don't see what happens every day. And what he's saying is that he's a a player's coach you know he does the small management things hey how's your wife doing you know did you go play golf the other day like small bullshit that just makes people feel like they're they're welcome he you talks know? to his players you know what i mean yeah and that's that's a stuff i played golf the other day thanks for asking <laughs> we're never we don't care be, we we're do never not care be able about to quantify or qualify that stuff so i think that in in that case that also makes it look bad too because if he's supposed to be this big right. player's coach how that's do you bad. let this relationship with this guy get to this point now on the flip side you could say because they know each other so well and because they have this relationship maybe i understand why it would be a little bit more personal or strained like i can understand that too but i just don't think it looks good in the end all told also how much of a problem was it that keegan played every game last year and the all-star game and the uh, national team camp do you think they like wore him down i mean that seems like it could be a problem he had november to recover (laughs) <laughs> well, they they only said it. Well, obviously, are you being sarcastic? Yeah, no, I I don't think that's an issue. I, it's that was to go from ago. college to play in, over you, three thousand minutes. And he was also not he's still tired. No, I'm, I'm not saying he's still tired, but I think when you have a guy coming right from college to the pros and to play every minute when no, no one else in the league played every minute, like that's a big. There's a lot of a there's, there's, there's a change, lot of guys that would want to play every minute. Listen, I, they also had to change how to, they but how they had to smart? play. They also had to change how they had to play because Keegan thought he was coming into the season playing alongside Josh Yarrow, who they had who he had a very good understanding with. And then when he was injured, when he had the stupid shoulder bullshit at the beginning of the year, Gucci Anyebu comes in there who's not as mobile, right? And then Keegan, a lot of the criticism that he was receiving, which he confirmed and Jim confirmed at the same time, was he's getting caught in between lines. You know, he's not attacking far enough, but he's also not defending where he needs to be. So I don't I don't doubt that 
the tactical side of it as well and who he was playing next to, whether it was Elliot or Onyewu or Josh for a couple of those games. But uh, again, I just think that there's there are a lot of problems. There's we're all fired of, up. Everybody about this. everybody shares. I think some, we're all fighting. Blame. Well, but and, and here's the <laughs> me and Matt are in a big fight about he, this. Here's right the now. thing: when you really when you bad. consider, you know, the question of Fabinho, four you have four outside backs that played this year. Who do you really leave this season feeling all that's, that great about? That's a very good point. It's not Keegan. Yeah. yeah. It's not Wijnaldum. You feel you good about Gaddis in a certain sense. It's Ray Gaddis, longest tenured no, player in the Philadelphia you, Union. You know what Ray Gaddis <laughs> yeah. is, and that is a player that has obvious flaws, he, but he also is obvious who we strengths. Thought they, he was. I think Fabinho kind of leaves the season smelling like roses more than anyone else in that in that fullback contingent, which is not a good place to be. Ken uh, Tribbett, um, do we know his contract status? He would be going into year number three. A, he'd be on a year-to-year guy. And I feel bad for Ken, too, because, look, last year he was put into a role that he was not supposed to be in. Remember, he was supposed to be at Bethlehem Steel last year, and he ended up starting a playoff game. So I, did that hurt his development as well? Does this does this qualify as a hot take? I'm, I'm going to drop this here. I'm going to drop <laughs> this here. The Union would have been in the playoffs if Ken Tribbett played 20 games again this year. You already tweeted that. It's not going to be a hot Did take I? now. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Jeez. He's just recycling his material. I just don't know how they go from <laughs> being so high on a guy to like not. Ken, Ken Tribbett it, will not be the, in the picture. Uh, that's Ken why Tribbett with Jack should... Elliott, I'm not like, I'm not convinced he's going to be good excited. next year. They have these guys every him. year. They have like this guy who's. Who, Ken Tribbett well. should take over for James Chambers as the captain of Bethlehem Steel next I like year. James. He should yeah. take over this podcast, I think. Ken and Kevin's uh, uh, Andre Blake, podcast. Andre Blake and Jake McGuire. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, Aguchi Anyewu. What? Because what, center, center backs here. Um, Gooch. Was Gooch um, on a one year? Does anybody have any idea? On he that? was. I would assume guys like that are on year to year. I would have no problem. Because uh, like Aguchi Anyewu this year exceeded expectations. Yeah. You well, didn't yeah. expect him to play this. That was much. a nice sign. And Jim yeah. said he like helped guys like uh, Jack Elliott. So I, I would. If, if that's I, true, then he's I would worth see his, him coming back this contract. next year. I would see him coming back next year to contribute at the level that you expected him to contribute at this year, he could, which was probably going to be five to twelve games. Well, and look, if you if you're looking at the depth chart next year as being Jack Elliott, J- uh, Josh, Josh Yarrow, Richie Marquez, I mean, and Richie's Austin, number two Austin right Trusty. now. I mean, I don't. I mean, Richie's Marcus, two. Marcus Josh was another guy. I don't. Here's one I think they need to sign one too, so that they have a lot of center. Here's backs. one to throw. They could out get a TAM level center back. What if Josh Yarrow is your option as the number six? I just don't think he... I That's mean, that, too hot for this podcast. Is that too... I mean, that, that's probably too much. I'm on fire right much. now. But he is not... He He's not sturdy n- enough to play center He has not shown the ability to consistently be an, an MLS center back. What if he's the option yeah. as you're out now ball winning number six? He's crazy athletic. But then you go back into the same issue with Derek Jones, yeah. you know, where they trumped him up and they That's, leaked, you know, they actually like did a leak for the first time ever and told somebody that he was going to be signed as a homegrown. I mean, they put so much, so much into this kid in the hype department and the PR department. And then, and then what's his future? You know, you also, you also are now trying to jam Fontana, Anthony Fontana into that. And Adam Najem, it looks like they're moving him and deploying him more as an eight, more than a 10. So. Derek, Derek Jones was the only leak that they yeah. did since Ernie's been here. I'm 99% sure. <laughs> Anyway, the fact that say? like got Josh Keegan and Fabian all had such bad second seasons is like not only the most like troubling trend of this year, but one of the most troubling trends in like club history. I feel like like those guys. Yeah. If you look back a year ago, we were talking to them about the best thing of the season in 2016, like so much promise, and then they all fell off completely off the map. It's insane how this always keeps I happening. Know. This I team, <laughs> it's every single uh, Yaro Marquez. Rosenberry, Jones. I mean, every single young guy. Who was who was the last? Jack McInerney. Who do you feel? Roger Torres. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Who was the last player to leave the union in better shape than they arrived? (sighs) Andrew Wenger. Rice. Kevin Kratz. <laughs> Kevin Kratz. I mean, that's 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 not a really Zach Steffen. So talking about leaving, oh, you know that, that I've, hurts. that I've yeah Jesus. Um, you know that I've always said with Andre is that it's not about him; it's about trying to take his value and putting that value somewhere else in the team. Now I don't know what it is about the bullshit red tape, you know, um, work permit Jamaica issue or whatever the fuck that was all about, but. Um, I don't. I still think that you try to sell him and, and flip him for something that can improve your attack. Because I've always said that the one position that we can do in this country is Zach Steffen. 
um, you know, American yeah. goalkeepers, you know, you can have, you know, that 150K, 200K. Yeah, you but know. those guys aren't going to win you playoff games. Look at the fire with, like, Matt Alamson. I mean, he gave up four goals. I mean, I feel like having a great goalie is still an important thing. And I I agree that, that they could sell Blake, but they have to be picky and they have to get a lot of money back. And he should, should be picky, too. And yeah. he should want to go to, like, a top league in Europe. I just don't think there's going to be... I mean, I've always predicated that opinion on the idea that you can get X amount of dollars for him. But if there's some kind of bullshit that you can't, then of course right. you keep him, you know? But I, I just, I always felt like it just made sense if you have, this is a Brett Brown thing that I've learned from covering Brett Brown over the last five weeks. Oh, you're he not going to start talking like you, him, are you? You only have so much money. I sounded like Italian. I can't do a <laughs> Portland uh, accent. He's like, he, he uses the term um, money, not to mean money. <laughs> Baxter, what are you doing? Man? He's licking Dave's face. Um He's like, he's like, you only have so, so many resources, right? Am I going to use all my money on this or am I going to use all my money on that? If, if, if the total, if say if you can spend a million dollars, if you can flip Andre Blake for a million dollars for a striker, do you do it or do you keep him? The difference between Andre Blake and John McCarthy is a lot more narrow than the difference between Roland Alberg and what Andre Blake's money, money can buy can as and a number. 10. That's always how I've felt about it because I just think that you can. People say, "Well, Andre Blake kept them in so many games," but they also can be in games by scoring goals and having a two goal lead. You I, know, I, you I know, think I think the Union four to three gets you the same amount of points as one to nothing does, and I know Jim loves you know that score line, but I, but look at how Atlanta was winning games this year. I think it's some. I think the Union. Owe it to somebody. I don't know who, maybe to the fans, or maybe that's projecting a little too much. But I think they owe it to some sense of reason to give this one shot at a at a real playoff run with Andre Blake Agreed. and with a legitimate attacking core. Well, they've never, a, but, they've okay, never so give Andre one more year. But look, look, here's I'd the like other to thing. I'd see Andre have one more year. Here's the other least. thing that I got to ask you then. this That's in the last year of his contract. So you're going to take that gamble, think you can get to the playoffs with him, and then what? He walks? That's something for the. I mean, that's something for the. That's something for the front office to do. I mean, I think Andre's a little different than a field player because you know that he has a different leash. He has a longer. He has a longer lease on soccer life because he can play into his mid to late thirties. So you can look at him and say, "Listen, maybe maybe you want to stay here for an extra year if." If the offers aren't out there, you know that becomes on the front office to find a way to make that work, to yeah. to make the relation. I mean, to make the relationship work with him and to keep him in the fold for long enough to where they can, you know, have a mutually beneficial agreement where Andre Blake's going to get what he wants in the end, which is getting to a, a European team, and the Union are going to get what they want in terms of you know, having some success. He's still a young guy. I don't think he's played a hundred yeah, games yet. Yeah. I, I mean, just, he's still young, especially for a goal. Goalkeepers are always just, yeah, the timeline's different. Let and me I don't just think look. Andre wants to go to, wants to go to Europe to sit. That's the other thing. No, it's gotta be the right fit. I don't want to see him in the prem or whatever the hell, you know? Um, let me just read the list. This is before I got the information about why not him and Madunian in, but the list that I had for who I thought would be staying or who I would keep around was Jack Elliott, Josh Yarrow, Austin Trustee, Richie Marquez, Harris, Bedoya, McCarthy, Keegan Rosenberry, Herber, Sapong, Aaron Jones, Marcus Epps, Derek Jones, Fafa Pico, Jay Simpson, Adam Najem, Anthony Fontana, and Giuliano Wynaldum. Now I was told That's that a championship team. <laughs> I was told that Harris What league? Not that he <laughs> not that Harris was interested in leaving, but I was told USL. that there's interest in the second German second division, one of the better teams in the German second division was interested in him right now so I, I don't know i think he likes it here i think he always wanted to come to america i don't think he he would split after uh, one year. i'm, tr- I'm trying i'm year. trying to think of i mean he makes seven hundred thousand dollars what number would you have to get after mls takes its cut from the german from the two bundesliga yeah. I mean, if you're if MLS is going to take whatever its cut is, and it's what like sixty forty for yeah, a player I mean, his like age. How much now? The only are thing, you going to get? Are you going to get three million dollars from you know whoever it is? Now, Augsburg? unless it's like say it's I think I think it's Nuremberg who does have who is a perennial team that was in the first division for a long time. I think they would be able to put in a decent bid. But then again, what do they spend? Why would they be spending that money on a guy like him? You know? Right. I mean, uh, I I just don't. Yeah. I I don't see that. I I think one one addendum I would make to your list is that they would be well served to find a creative solution for their depth at center back. Yeah. If you're going to bring back on Yewu, you have 
three young center backs that you value in some way, and you have Austin Trusty waiting in the wings. Yeah. I, I think at some point you need to find a creative solution, whether that's trading Richie Marquez to upgrade at another position, whether that's... Who's going to trade for Richie Marquez right now? I think Richie Marquez is a serviceable... I mean, we know that, but hey, if you know no what's going to trade for him, you know now what? If, if you think if you think that you have the drafting resources to do it, trade him for a second round pick and go find another. Do they have, does, does LAFC have any interest in any union players in the expansion draft? Richie Marquez. <laughs> yeah, I maybe, don't even want to know who's on the maybe just list maybe right just now. because the union the union's unprotected list is going to be more impressive than it's been in recent years. I would dangle Bedoya out there and say, "Hey, you want to take him for a million dollars? Do it." I don't think they'll do that. Of course, they, they they probably won't. But it would be it would be a nice uh, you know message. I you know, I haven't even thought about the expansion draft. Yeah, so I, I just I mean, look, still I, waiting on rules. I, I don't know what I, the rules are going to be. Just looking down the depth chart, then I mean, striker you'd have CJ and Simpson attacking mid, uh, Najem and Fontana, whatever happens with Il Senior. Again, that is I, to say, no one. <laughs> again, I think you just go look. If you can, if you have, and Dave and I have talked about this ad fucking nauseum, so I won't bore you <laughs> bore you with the details for the tenth. Boring. Time, you had Alberg and El Senior combined making what nine hundred thousand dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars, something like that. Next year, you can pay one dude eight hundred thousand dollars, and you can have Fontana and Najem making sixty-five each. You know, if Five. they're if they're if this is how you kill three birds with one stone. You say you want to you want to improve the squad overall, sign better players in that range. You say three you want to you say you want to contribute. You, you say you want to build through the academy and have youth. Fontana and Najem are on the depth chart, you know, and you want to still play Moneyball and not spend a ton of money. You're just distributing the the cash dif- a different way. You know, five million dollars. That's what they need to spend this 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 winter. So listen, that's having, what they need to do. They're having a big, a really really big influx of allocation money coming in. It's going to be like upwards of two million dollars. Mm-hmm. And everybody says, at least the fans always say, like, well, what what do I care about that? Everybody's getting that. But they already they're starting with. More yeah. money anyway. The union are starting with shit. And so you, two million dollars in TAM is a ton for a club that doesn't yeah. spend on that anyway. So and if you, you have can, two mil coming off the. You have probably two million dollars coming off the books. Jonathan Tannenwald had a tweet. Uh, Who? Friend of the show, Jonathan Tannenwald had. A is he tweet. new? Um, he might be. <laughs> about how much the fire spent on Nemanja Nikolic and in, salary and transfer fee was about five million dollars. The and, union need and he to won be, the golden boot. The union need to be in that kind of neighborhood of you need to spend five million dollars to reinforce the squad in a way that is going to compete regularly and realistically for a playoff spot not luck into one every once in a while when the ball bounces their way and when tyrone mears misses headers or when josh yarrow doesn't get called for penalties in san jose but an, a legitimate team that's going to com- that's going to compete Year after year, sustained. They need to spend five million dollars. Okay, awesome. one more question. One more question for you guys, and then I'll get to uh, fan questions for the last ten minutes here. Um, the final press availability is next Wednesday with Ernie and Jim. Um, I probably won't. Are be you there. going? Uh, no, because no. I just have six or shit like every day. You know, they have available. They have so much availability. It's like you get shoot around. You get like pregame. You get post. <laughs> so much availability for so it's little redundant. information. Yeah, it's redundant. I, a quick, quick sidebar here. Like it. More words mean less, you know? Mm-hmm. I would rather do it the way that they do it in MLS, where you only get the coach once, once or twice a week, but everything makes more sense, and you have time to to, to parse that, you know? Because Brett Brown has said four fucking different things about Markel Fultz in four fucking different days. So I'm back to square one, just trying He's to figure out what the hell are, we, hell are we saying here. Okay, anyway, uh, next Wednesday, what do you what do you want to hear? What, what, what do you need to hear from Ernie and Jim on Wednesday that, Oh, you know what? I didn't even talk about, I think Sorber's gone. I think Sorber's going to LAFC. He's uh, I saw, I saw your tweet. He is currently going through his a licensing. Okay. Um, so he's been, uh, observed for that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a pre, if that's a, a prerequisite for either taking a bigger role or, okay. if, or if he has head coaching aspirations. And people down said the road. that they saw him on the field, taking pictures with his family after the last game. So that might say something, but also too, people got to remember that Mike was not hired by Jim. You know, Mike was hired by hack hack yeah. got fired five, three months later. Yeah, and then Jim Mike was promoted. promoted before Jim. Yeah. yeah we all but thought that, that. I don't think they ever, there was ever any bad blood there. They worked together for three years afterwards, but you know, cause Mike had only been there for so long and Jim yeah. had been in the organization for a long yeah, time. Mike Sorber's a good coach and a, and a, and a good soldier. I've always thought. I think so too, but the funny thing is that the players. This is a little inside baseball for our loyal listeners here, but the players hated Mike. The All players, them? the players hated Mike Sorber. Yeah, most of them did because Mike was like, "Look, you guys were down there at the training. Like, 
in the practices all the time. Who was in the center all the time? Yeah. It was Sorber, you yeah. know, and Jim would always look on from the side, but Sorber would always be the guy to tell you like, Hey, you played like dog shit the other day. You know, if they had a good cop, bad cop thing going on, like Sorber was the bad cop and he'd say, look, you guys aren't doing this. You guys aren't doing this. He would be the one to stop practice and, you know, explain something or do this tactical wrinkle or something like that. Well, Jim did a lot of observation, you know? So I think Mike was the more hands-on guy. And because of that, like players who were soft as shit didn't like that. So, um, Oka, I've heard too, might be leaving, but I don't know what's up with that either. But anyway, union goalkeeping coaches can't stay for more than twelve months anyway. Well, it makes me wonder then who is the guy that you're BJ would take the if BJ Callahan would take that role or if BJ would be Jim's number two, um, you know, because he was what the number three, I guess, if we're yeah. being on the bench. I don't know. You're, you're implying a they higher level of organization than the of, yeah. union have usually had. Well, it's not like the, this is the thing. I mean, like you could technically say, like, did Jim have all of his quote unquote guys in there? Because Mike was just sort of there. The, the staff you know? is also small, I feel like, compared to some Bring other teams. Bring back yeah. Fred. Bring back Fred. Well, we'll see. Or Brian Carroll should be in a Fred's, so, Fred's already Fred, Fred and Cleberson are already working at the academy, so yeah, it'll be an easy transition. Well, to the question I was trying, I was going to ask, what, what what would you need to hear? Not just not just from a media standpoint, but if you're a fan and you're going into next week's final availability, I mean, what do you want to hear from Jim, and what do you want to hear from Ernie, or or what gets you excited for next year? I mean, there's a lot of things to touch on. I mean, I'd like to maybe talk about why. Keegan and Josh and Fabian and all those guys just can't seem to improve. I mean, that's one talking point, maybe. The other obvious one is how much money they'll spend. Because, like, Ernie is known as his, like, a money ball guy and, and whether he's willing to spend, like, two or three million on a 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, there's a lot. I see. I would, I would just, I think that they, the one thing about the six to one win was that it gave him some momentum going in the offseason. I would have dropped that press release with the roster moves the very next morning. And said, "Hey, we're starting right the fuck now. Here's who's gone. Here's who's coming back. You know, like don't like that stuff. I think they underestimate how those things go over with fans. Like whether there's any real news at all, just just keep yourself like in the public eye. You know, don't disappear for two months and then sign somebody at the end of January. You this, know? Is, this has never been a club that's been particularly good no. at PR. But that's, but that's why I'm telling. I'm giving them advice would, now. Free advice on the Always Soccer podcast." I, w- I would like to, not see- to. <laughs> I would like to see from Ernie a little bit of an admission that they underestimated how much better the Eastern Conference got this year, because if you look at this team, they have the same record but a better goal differential against a better league. <laughs> Ernie always said that- it from the beginning of the year that this team was better than and and it was because team. it was against a better league, but it, yeah. it was better off of last year's standard. It wasn't yeah. good enough to keep up with to keep pace with the Eastern 42 Conference. points. And yeah. I think that they underestimated that. So they I, are going to be that, that. I would kind of like an admission of that, that that was a, that yeah. was a miscalculation on, on their that part. That 2016 Union team is probably going to go down in history as the, the, the worst low, playoff team lowest ever. point <laughs> playoff team. Yeah, yeah, in the modern, with the three years so far, modern era, assuming they <laughs> keep that. But, I mean, then this year you had San Jose getting into the freaking playoffs, like a negative 20, 20 gold differential. Yeah. They got their got shit. It's minus shit 26 by the time they left Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, right. That's um, amazing that that happened. Okay, so let's let's... I don't want to make this go more than an hour, so let's right, take questions. some fan questions. Let's wade yeah. through the sadness that is the questions. Right, uh, do you want to start at the top? I'll start from, from the bottom, maybe. Uh, yeah, let me just we'll just go thing by thing here. So Craig says uh, thoughts about the rumored partnership with the Greek club FC. Who gives a shit? <laughs> that's a good club. I don't think that's a real club. Yeah, and no, those things that's never do even for big clubs like that doesn't do anything for anybody. Like uh, only if you are like. Th- under the same ownership umbrella, Manchester if City. If you're Man City, that works. Yeah, New York City, right? Yeah. But I don't. There's there's never any real. Saprisa, who gives a shit? You know. Yeah, I, it's much more useful to have what Atlanta, I think, has had this year with the personal connection of Darren Eels coming in mm. and getting the Manton walks and stuff like that. I think that's much more pressing. But Ernie hasn't really done that in you know his. European pipeline. What's up with uh, Bethlehem Steel and the moving rumors? So I, I, you know, look, we we know they have said in these town hall meetings, Bethlehem Steel exists for one reason and one reason only, and that is to get these guys minutes and not to, to make money. Eventually. It and loses to money. money. Yeah, right. but they yeah. thought it's, it loses that money it by could, design. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they thought it, it could maybe capture something with the name, with the history. Like otherwise, that they just have it right because Nick Sikevich drove through Lehigh Valley right. and saw the signs in Spanish <laughs> and said, "This would be a great place to put a soccer." Team and it was one of the most cringeworthy 
quotes that I think he's ever delivered, which is saying something. That's saying something. They're designed. They're not designed to make money. They're, well, there's over overestimation of the brand. Too, I think because, they thought they'd get more fans, more buzz about it in the Lehigh Valley. Because they've said it, it's the only soccer team in the Lehigh Valley. Like they wanted to try to capitalize. There's off a that reason for that. Right. It's an investment. You have to pour money into it to get something out of it. Yeah. If you're not getting enough out of it, then I would reevaluate what you're putting into it and how you're putting that. They're not going to. Yeah. And it's a waste of money to build a soccer specific stadium. I agree. I mean, that stadium they play in now is rented and doesn't have lights. So they can't have these primetime games that would probably draw more people anyway. Right. You know, that that's a big thing that, that people don't think about. I mean, they, they could very easily, they could still call themselves Bethlehem steel and just free and play at Talon. Talon. <laughs> you know, I guess, I, but I that's not going to make any. That's yeah. not going to make all that much money either. If that's no, your objective, but, but it just, doesn't. It, it, you know look, what? If, you, Jay Sugarman's Jay Sugarman's on the expansion committee. Force your way. If USL and NASL are going to, in some point, come together and somehow institute a larger league, and we've seen um, FC Montreal and rumors of Orlando City B and other quote unquote two franchises falling by the wayside. Have the power, go in there and force another reserve league and do it that way. Jared says, are you, Dave, are you okay with me just reading through yeah, these real fine. quick? Okay. Jared okay. says, are you guys as tired as we are? <laughs> just I'm pretty break. tired. Yes. Yeah. I was tired three months ago. I need uh, a coffee. Bad Ombre says, with the draft in Philly, are the union going to trade for a first rounder? Is it in Philly again this year? Yeah. What it is. F- trade trade, really? trade. what? What What a value would are get you? Are they going to trade uh, for a first round? What well, a value. And that's a tra- the thing with the Charlie Richie Davis Marquez? thing didn't mention. It was a terrible trade. Yeah. That's... That- that's going to go down as one of the worst trades. Joe says, um, do you have confidence that Ernie will successfully deploy the freed up money as contracts are expiring? Uh, I don't know. It, this is a it's bit hard. It's hard, to have, it's hard to have too much confidence in him. Yeah. He's, he's already signed Jay Simpson, Roland Alberg, uh, Giliano, Anderson. I mean, he doesn't have a great track record right now. Let's just say that word. Will the, union actually, <laughs> will the union actually spend money for a DP playmaker? Last few off, off seasons haven't left me too confident. That's from Justin. Yes. I, I mean, I think that they are going to use some of that TAM at for least on one God, yes. or a buy down. You know, but um, I mean, they have to. Mike says uh, if Jay Sugar moves in Columbus in a Columbus style market and not Philadelphia, would be he'd be pulling, pulling a pre court again? No, no because no, because well, pre court was on the expansion. No, because Jay's on the expansion committee. So someone who was on the expand. Oh wait, pre court was on the expansion committee. Never mind. Well, I mean, pre court has ties to Texas, right? He he's he's always wanted this. I, I don't think Jay Sugarman has any has ever had an ulterior motive. He could buy he could buy the Cosmos brand, but he doesn't yeah. have that kind of money. I mean, so what would happen? Let's just put it out there. If Jay Sugarman did decide to move to to like a city, would would Philly then get their own team with like a different ownership? Do you think? Or I mean, I don't see the problem is would that Philly they just still be screwed have, at that point. There's a thirty-year thir- lease on that stadium, and they're eight years into it now. Columbus's stadium situation: that thing was built in ninety-nine. Ninety-nine, yeah. I don't know what their situation with that is. I don't know how you can just get up and leave Columbus, Chester without Columbus those doesn't seem like a bad situation. I'm really not sure what Precord is talking about. Like, it seems like a fine team. They do they do pretty well. I mean, they're I mean, they're they're perpetually in the lower third of but, attendance. So but then the again, union. they're not that well, much. Their attendance is not much more well, than the union is. It's only I, a little I bit more. I think if if Jay Sugarman were to ever try and move the union, some of the powers that be and the pressures that led to all the public funding for that stadium. Um, would yeah, weigh in behind true. the scenes, and I, I don't assume that Tom Wolf has the kind of power that Ed Rendell had at the time that all of these things were. I'd like to hear from Ed um, Rendell, actually, you know, because he was the one to push push this bullshit through. So I I would like to hear what he thinks about the Chester situation. Let's get him on the pod. I should. Uh, <laughs> God, but he's too busy doing Eagles post game, oh, you know, offering really good insight. I might add. Um, he's at ten games. He was at the Plaster for a uh, just like a practice game, basically. Oh, like a really? scrimmage. The Sixers like, thing. The scrimmage. I know, just a pen, red and blue pen, scrimmage. Right. Good pen. for him. <laughs> he, I, he loves pen basketball. A friend of mine that I work with, me, him, worked, and Tannenwald worked with the Channel Three. Said that he saw Rendell naked in the locker room at um, the Bellevue Hyatt gym. Just thought I'd share that with you. At least you. it was in the locker room. Yeah, he had a lower. He had a locker on the bottom level. If you know what I'm saying. Um, I don't. I, I don't either. <laughs> he's naked, and Let's the lockers on. on the lower level. He's bending over. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go on. He saw a naked Rendell bending over to reach his locker. Just when you Keep think going. this couldn't get any worse. I, I can't believe I had to explain it to you. Jesus. <laughs> I was trying not to go there. Um, Mike says, why should we care about an influx of TAM when every other team gets the same? That's what I was answering yeah, earlier where I said that it means more for the Because you know, union. the union are the only team that have Ernie Stewart, and he can use it better than somebody yeah. else. Because the union supposedly. are the only team that's starting with He's Moneyball, remember. 
What do you think CJ did differently to have his career year? Uh, this is from Don. Motivation with Jay signed Pontius's shit year uh, luck. I, yeah, I think it's. I think it's a lot of it is the Jay Simpson thing for sure. I think um, I think a lot of it too arrested. is CJ. I oh, think sorry. a lot of it too is CJ finding his center and finding his CJ. CJ and I mean this in the most in the best terms. CJ is an out there dude, and uh, he he has some different things that I think work for him. Whether it's meditation or just <laughs> enjoying life, he's he's just he's a he's a complex person. Um, Don says, "Who's got their scathing piece on Jim written?" Matt. I wrote my piece on Jim this week. So Yeah, I don't want to go too much into Jim because I think we all know what the situation is. Um, it doesn't matter what I think, if he yeah. should come back or not. But you asked him the question about his um, job. Oh, yeah. What did, oh, yeah. what, Matt was did, so brave. Your take, what was He's your, such a brave guy. Well, I mean, what was your takeaway from how he answered that? Watch that guitar. Right. I don't think there's any secrets in terms of, you know, this is not... Let's look at New England. It was New England Jay Heaps' fault. Because after Jay Heaps left, they still they still stunk, and they're still going to stink for a while. It's not Jim Curtin's fault, but at the same time, you have seen coaches get fired for much less. So we're at a situation with Jim Curtin where I think his job status is almost neutral and beside yeah. the point. And we don't want to call you for can, him to get fired too. Because no, he's, he's still a, he's still like a person who has like a life and, and family. I don't think like, he, that's and a hard I don't thing think to, he's ever been given the right tools to right. do this that's job. So he can be fired. And they could not improve. He could be retained, and they do improve. He's not the most important part of this. Offseason. Do you see? Do you see any parallel between Jim Curtin and the guy that I'm covering now, Brett Brown? No, I see a parallel between. Um, I see a parallel between Jim Curtin and Pete McCannon. They're in the exact same position. Hmm. No. McCannon took over mid year. Curtin's so much more personable. Like, I see well, no, but I, I'm talking about their uh, situations. McCannon okay. took over mid year. Then the GM over him changed. And Clentac decided, Matt Clentac of the Phillies decided this year to make a change, um, which means that now this is his show. This is his mess. Well, people are saying, like, with Brett Brown, like, obviously with the process, nobody expected him to win with, like, Hollis Thompson, Jakar Sampson, right? But when when does the evaluation period begin, or when did it begin for Jim? What What is that finite point that we could say, this team is good enough, or they have the resources? Are we ever going to be able to say that? I mean, are I we think... ever going to be able to say that there's a, we're going to be able to make a true evaluation on his coaching with the resource, with the knife and the gunfight thing, you know? I think Jim, I thought that was a bold statement, by the way, by Jim Curtin with Henry yeah. Stewart in the yeah. room. I like that. Um, I think think that well they're on the same page i'm pretty jim sure. Curtin has had two seasons to evaluate him one he made the playoffs one he did not make the playoffs and much like how we're going to evaluate keegan rosenberry next year of one good season one bad season okay this is the make or break season to figure is out it? which is the aberration all comes and which down one's to this the next norm. one i think that's what you, i think that's what you could see with jim Curtin. matt uh matt who i met up at uh so five a couple weeks ago he says i signed adam maher in uh, fifa 18 and he led the philadelphia philadelphia union <laughs> championship any indication of uh, fit in real life yeah absolutely because uh says will the pod <laughs> will the podcast be back next season yeah absolutely it will yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, I didn't know that. Do you want to do it again next sure. year? Sure. Okay. Why not? How about do you, you want Matt? to do it, Matt? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Baxter, you. Baxter, okay. Baxter left. No yeah. comment from you Baxter. You have to go through his agent. He's looking at a squirrel <laughs> out the back window. He's gonna need a lot of money, Baxter. Uh, if you want to bring him back. Here. Um, a Carp says, "I'm more hopeless about this team being an exercise in mediocrity and futility than ever before." Do you find that to be a common sentiment? I mean, yeah, you could, you could <laughs> very, feel very common. But listen, <clears throat> maybe I'll end it on this because I don't see anything else on there unless I missed it. If you want to take a look, Dave. But there's a Moa Do update. They, what's the status on Mo? Matt, do you have that? Still alive, still not playing. <laughs> they, um, I, w- I was surprised with the crowds at the end of the year because I've said from the beginning that I feel like th- the. The, the anger is one thing, but the apathy is another thing. But now that I see where the crowds are and I see that they've have gotten some decent uh, season ticket renewals so far that I don't, I don't, I just feel like it's a typical Philadelphia fan base where you have basically your diehard sons of Ben type of guy who's, who says I'm riding, I'm going to ride or die with the team. I don't care how shitty they are. They're my team. And then, you know, 75% of the rest of the stadium is whoops um, of the rest of the stadium says, I don't give a shit if they win or lose anyway. You know, it's soccer mom from uh, Avon Grove, you know? So which, which, what fan is really jumping off the bandwagon entirely? Ones that are, I think it's more ones that were off the bandwagon are not jumping onto the bandwagon. They're not jumping back on. Yeah. The bandwagon's got plenty of seats on it. I'm going to, 
as we've been going through these questions, the one quote that has cropped up in my mind is um, from the Shawshank Redemption when Andy <laughs> writes the letter to Red and he says, hope is a good, good thing, thing, maybe, the, maybe best the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Wow, so, that's so hopeful. <laughs> that's that's really the only answer I can probably give to Union fans. Get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, That's goddamn right. Get yeah. on a bus to Sewatanejo <laughs> and... Maybe don't renew your MLS package so you can't watch the union. Well, listen, I'm going to leave it at that then. Uh, Ernie and Jim are speaking Wednesday at 1 o'clock. It's going to be the final um, availability of the year, and we'll figure out who's staying and who's going, I think, at that point. And now I think we're really getting into the interesting time where we're going to see this is it, year three of Ernie, year full year number four of Jim Curtin. And, uh, you know, going into next year, a lot of the questions that we asked this year, there's not going to be as much wiggle yeah. room or, or or gray area you know so um i'm just excited that a shit season is over um <laughs> i would have said it i would say that it was you're not fun, even covering this team anymore but anyway. it really wasn't fun i mean i had less <laughs> i had less fun and less enthusiasm covering this year and it led to me quitting the beat entirely so um but keeping the podcast but keeping the podcast reason. but look i mean i always now that i'm like on the outside now and i see how people treat soccer in this town and i tell people like yeah i was on the union beat people treat it like it's like the, the you know the uh the Camden River Sharks or whatever the hell they were. You <laughs> it's know? true. Um, and so I always still feel like that part of, you know, we want to see this team su- succeed and, and do well and um, the sport continue to grow here. So I'm always going to be attached to that part of it. But I don't know. I I'm, I'm really have no idea what to make of this offseason, but it's going to be interesting. Let's get some tacos. <laughs> it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Kevin Kincaid, Matt to George. Thanks for coming in, Matt, Dave. And we're going to use the remaining uh, budget from the <laughs> fundraiser to go to Loco Pez right now. So right. Oh, thanks, yeah. everybody, for listening for listening this year. And we'll do, we will keep doing it in the offseason, hopefully, with uh, whatever news comes out. All right, peace. <laughs>